0: What's going on, guys? This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis than by tuning into this podcast right here, right now. Let's go. What's going on, guys? This is Rob Carbone coming at you with episode 57 of BD4. It is a, well, it's practiced technically a Tuesday morning. I'm doing this very late. Um, Tuesday morning, December 31st. But tonight we're going to talk about, work. this morning we're going to talk about the Yankees. We're going to take a break from the Knicks a little bit, thank God. Take a break from the sad, sorry, depressing Knicks and switch gears just review a couple of things that have happened over the past few weeks, months, um, on the New York Yankees. Now, obviously, the last time we spoke, we talked about Garrett Cole and his signing for nine years, $324 million. So let's start with that, and then we'll get into a little bit more of the, you know, the secondary things, such as the holes in this on this team that are still remaining, and the rumors that have been going on around them, and the players that have left, things like that. And we'll go on for about 20-15 minutes or something like that. But, yeah, Garrett Cole, man. Um, The euphoria has still not worn off. I am still extremely excited for this guy to come to the Yankees. I think, obviously, first and foremost, we talk about his regular season success, the fact that this guy is a perennial Cy Young guy, um, you know, that he should have probably won the Cy Young uh, last season. But this is the guy I look at, you know, the first thing I, when the Yankees signed Cole a few uh, weeks ago, the first thing, the very first thing that came to my mind is there's their playoff guy, right? Right next to Tanaka, there's another playoff guy that can go out there and you will, you will, you can rely on him. That's the very first thing I thought of. Not the Cy Young winning, not the cute little 300 strikeout season, which is awesome, but the first thing I saw, the first thing that came to mind was the, the two-something ERA in the postseason and the constant success, the World Series Championship ring on his finger, that's what I thought of. This is a champion. This is a guy who has pitched on the big stage before. And not just pitched, but experienced success on the big stage before. Consistent success. So that's what I am most excited about with Garrett Cole. The fact that we're getting a guy in the you know at the peak of his career right now. He is peaking right now in his prime. Just gonna enter, you know, October bowl with the New York Yankees. So that's the first thing I thought of. But you now aside from Garrett Cole's performance on the field, this also benefits the Yankees because it can possibly take, you know, pressure off of somebody like Luis Severino, who is really, let's be honest here. You know, let's be brutally honest. Luis Severino has consistently struggled with living up to ace expectations ever since entering the season, right? Um I wouldn't say consistently struggled, but he's struck he's been on and off in terms of, you know, being that legitimate superstar ace that he was, um, you know, touted as in the minor league system. You know, when he first came here, he had a very good, very strong 12-game stint in August, from August to September to the end of September um, in his rookie season. But then the next year, he kind of fell off a bit and had a terrible, terrible season as a starting pitcher. They had to move him to the bullpen. Then he had a very strong season for his third year, Severino did. Come his fourth season, Severino had a very, very good first half of the year, pitched like a Cy Young winner. The second half came, and he became one of the worst pitchers in baseball. And then, obviously, last year, where he missed a very, very, you know, I'd say he missed 90% of the season, 95% of the season, came back for a couple starts towards the end, was all right. Pitched in the postseason, was all right. And, you know, we haven't been seeing that legitimate number one ace. Five years into his career, he hasn't been consistently an ace. He hasn't been good our great, 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 He's been good, okay, good, okay. You know, he is, he's he struggled to live up to ace status. Whereas with Garrett Cole, you know you are getting the guy who's one, two, three, for every year going to be great for you. So for nine years, you hope to get consistent ace-type pitching out of him for at least, you know, his entire prime plus... But yeah, it definitely takes pressure off somebody like Severino who could now go out there and pitch freely because that's when he's at his best, right? When he's pitching with no pressure, you can see, you know, you see the emotion in him sometimes. He just releases the energy because he's this guy who loves driving in New York. But now that he's not going to be relied upon as this number one guy, he can more pitch more like a two. I think that could possibly benefit him, man. He could just pitch freely out there and go out there and do his thing. And that could be very big for a guy like Severino who Again, has not exactly lived up to ace standards, in my opinion. Um, it could also benefit somebody like James Paxson, right? Big Maple kind of struggled to start his Yankee career for the first three or four months. He wasn't that good. And then he got hot towards the end of the year, uh, two months where he pitched. Remember, he was on that incredible 10-0 and run or whatever it was. And then he had some good playoff performances for the Yankees. Um, James Paxson a guy, is a guy who the Yankees got expecting him as well to be a top-of-the-line pitcher i see him more as a number three that's just my personal opinion but maybe with the addition of gary cole we can finally see that untapped potential the yankees are thinking about here right right we can see we can finally see paxton pitch like um a number two at, at least so maybe he can benefit from that as well and then you have guys rounding out the rotation like masahiro tanaka who He's going to be Tanaka. He's going to be whatever in the regular season. And he will show up come October. And that's all that matters. And then you have Jordan Montgomery returning. Um, I would love to see Montgomery, man, pitch a full season for the Yankees this year. It sucked not seeing him last year with the injury. Tommy John recovery. But um, he's a guy who I really think could be a solid, very solid number four slash five for the Yankees. Where he goes out there, you know, eats innings, gives them 150 plus frames um, maybe pitches to an ERA somewhere between 350 to four at tops and, you know, just be solid, legitimately just reliable, a reliable number five, you know, somebody who you can at least just have out there. Um, cause on a contending team, a number five, you don't need an amazing number five. You just need somebody who could just go out there, eat innings, pitch effectively more times than not. And that's who I think Jordan Montgomery can be at worst. So that's, it's good to have him back. But we obviously have some holes on this team, right? So let's talk about the holes right now. Um, while we're talking about the rotation, let's bring up J. Hap. Where the hell does he fit on this team? I personally, I hope Jay Hap is traded somewhere far, far away, and never to be seen again in the state of New York, unless it's with a little brother of the town. But yeah, I don't want Hap any, anywhere near this team, man. I, I'm done with Hap. I'm sick of him. I don't want anything to do with the guy. I just hope they can trade him. I don't even care, honestly. I don't care what the return piece is. It could be a bag of potato chips. It could be anything. And I will, the 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 big thing here is just getting him out. That's the win, not the return. Um, So I don't care if it's in a package or just a one-on-one trade. Get him gone. Say bye bye to J hap. So that's the thing. Domingo Herman. I don't know what the deal is here. Is he going to be suspended? That's a whole, that's a sensitive subject. It sucks. Obviously, it sucks because the the kid is talented and he did some stupid shit. And if it's true, if it's really true, I think the Yankees have to to cut ties with the guy and just get him out of here. But that's pretty much that. Oh, uh, as far as the rotation, but some people were talking about Davey Garcia. Does he crack the rotation in 2020? Maybe he cracks, you know, a couple of starts here and there. You know, I think he'll get a September call up for sure, but I'm not sure he'll be a regular in this rotation yet. I don't know. I'm not the biggest on his potential. I think he has a very small frame. I think his fastball is kind of flat, but that's just me. It's kind of hard to evaluate a prospect when you haven't seen him pitch in the major leagues yet, so we're going to wait, you know, pass our judgment until we actually see him pitch. But I don't think the Yankees are going to consider him as a legitimate rotation option next season. It'd be fun if they do. Maybe they'll do something like that, but you know, I think he's more of a guy that's going to have to eventually just do it by working his way up and not getting the uh, call next season. Not yet. Who else do we have to talk about? Let's move on to the positional players. Um, We'll start with Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier was obviously the guy the Yankees traded for. mm, They got him a while back when they traded for Andrew Miller. Um, He came in that deal and Really, last year was the year where he got his most playing time as a Yankee. He got a lot of at-bats. Still didn't get time like he should have. But, you know, we saw him display his power. He's a very good bat. He's a run producer that can give you one hundred every year if he's healthy. And honestly, if the Yankees had him start the entire year, you know, there's no doubt in my mind he would have put together a very productive 30 homer, 100 RBI season. But it's obviously the defense that holds him back. This is a guy who was terrible defensively for the Yankees. And, you know, he was Miguel, the Miguel Andujar of the outfield. Where you just you cringed every time the ball was hit out there. And he would just drop easy, routine plays. And obviously not make the hard plays. He has a very strong arm. But that's about the only thing you could say. Because that, that it's itself can be wild at times. And the glove is terrible. And, you know, the inefficient route taking he takes to the balls it's just the a... oh it's a mess so where does he pit next year personally there's only two things you could do you can either dh the guy but that conflicts with a couple of other situations which we'll talk about in just a second you can either dh him or you can trade him you could package clint Frazier in some type of deal that gets you you know josh hater who we'll also touch on in a bit um you could package him in a big deal like that but, I, yeah, I think that's really the only thing you could do. But if you do do if you do DH the guy, um, that kind of, you know, interferes with what you're going to do with Miguel and Duhar. Are you going to keep Miguel and Duhar as... Because if Miguel and Duhar is going to be on this team, let's make it clear, he cannot be the third baseman. Okay. This is a guy who, again, he... Clint Frazier was the Mickey of the outfield. Well, Mickey is the Clint Frazier of third base. He was terrible at third base two years ago. You cringe every time the uh, other ground balls were hit to him. The guy overthrew the ball. He, his feet was never set fumbling, but it was just a total colossal mess out there at third base with Miguel and Duhar. He's going to have to be a DH or learn to switch positions. But again, if he switched positions, he's going to have to learn either left field and what are the odds? He's good in left field, just learning it in a season. And if he does, where's Stanton going to go? Is he going to go to DH? Then what do you do with the other guys? That's an op that's a possibility you put him in left field, but I'm not sure I trust him there, man. Same thing with putting him at first base, then what do you do? Avoid DHM. What about Stanton? Or not Stanton, what about you know Frazier? You you have to there's so many guys you have to deal with. So personally it's gonna come down to Frazier or Anduhar. Maybe they trade both the Yankees. You know, if they're gonna package them both, it's gonna be in a deal for Hayter. Obviously gonna have to include more than just him two, but you know, it's, it's one of them are going to either have to DH or be traded. I don't see both of them having a spot on this team next year. Um, you know, a Frazier DHs, and Duhar, in my opinion, doesn't have a spot here, and vice versa. Because Gio Urshela, that's a guy who should most definitely be manning third base. The guy approved it. Whether or not you think the juice balls had a lot to do with it, I would keep him at third base just for his defense alone. You know, just hit 240, 250 for me with an OPS near or at 700. And I'll take that with the, you know, defense we're getting because it's such a difference. It's such a monumental difference in the defense we're getting from those two players. So if you have Urshela at third base, Torres at shortstop, Lemayhu at second base, and... You know, first base. What are you gonna do? You're gonna have you, there's a possibility now that you could have Voit and Ford platoon. In the days that Voit's not playing first, he DHs. In the days that Ford's not playing for us, he DHs. But if you're doing that, then again, you're gonna to have to definitely ship both a Frazier and Duhar out of here because it's it's another position that's clogged the DH role. The Yankees have so many guys that can fill that role right now. It's a good problem to have, but it's a problem, right? We've heard that so many times before. So that's that's the situation itself. Who's going to DH, right? Who's on first? Who's What's on second? I kind don't of know who's on third. One of those things. But um, it's it's going to be, have to be dealt with eventually. So that's that with the infield. Moving on to the outfield, Mike Talkman. This is another lefty bat, you know, aside from Ford, that I think had helped the Yankee lineup. Personally, listen, I hate the Brett Gardner signing. Believe it or not, I you know, I was ready for it. So it, whatever, it's whatever to me. But I would love Mike Talkman to at least get a shot at the starting center fielder role. You know, when you look at the two things, would you rather have an aging veteran who could honestly just put together a bad season any time now, especially with no more juice balls, or would you rather have another lefty but gives you more youth, has a higher ceiling at this point, who could possibly give you more? I would take the latter here. I would take Mike Talkman, give him a try here, and have him play center field for the New York Yankees because. You know, I wasn't big on Talkman in the beginning of his stint with the Yankees. I made that known on Twitter and on Facebook. But um, he did come back during his second stint with the team and really played well. You know, he played very good baseball, played gold glove defense, but started hitting the ball as well. Um, he hit over 300 during his second stint. He was hitting a lot of home runs. He made contact. He was clutch. This is a guy who really. Could have some type of ceiling here and have a nice little three-four year career here, you know, at the age of I don't know, he's 27 or something, you know, you know. So he, he, I think he could help this team out for a few. I think he should definitely get the center field spot, and have Gardner come off the bench as a fourth outfielder, which is to remember what he was supposed to be last year, before all the injuries started happening. But we'll see what happens there. Um, I've pretty much talked about all the guys on the team. So there's been a couple of rumors lately, uh, one more so than the other, that the Yankees are interested in two guys, Josh Hader, or three, if you want to include another guy. But Josh Hader, Joe Panic, and the other guy is Francisco Lindor. But I don't think that's ever going to happen, the Lindor thing, so we'll just toss that out for now. But Josh Hader and Joe Panic are two guys we've heard the Yankees, um, we've heard reports that the Yankees were interested in. Josh Hader is the one that—that's the more realistic of the two. I don't, you know, I've heard one report on Panic. I don't think I've ever heard anything about it again. But we'll start with Hader. With Dylan Batances going to the little brother of the town, I think uh, Josh—Josh Hader—would be outstanding for the Yankees. I think that's an excellent addition. You know, he's 25 years old. He's a lefty. He throws heat. Uh, He's got an amazing slider. This is a guy who whose strikeout numbers are off the charts good. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, he strikes out, what, 15, 16 batters per nine innings? That's unbelievable, remarkable, sensational to me. Um, but he's a guy who's a top three, if not the best reliever in the game. He's definitely top three in my you know, in my opinion. So losing someone like Patances doesn't hurt as much if you get somebody like Hater. And, again, if you're going to have to package Frazier and Duhar plus, plus, plus... I think it's well worth it if you're getting someone like Hater. Um, he, listen, this is the guy who's elite. Um, he's gonna help this team. You're getting Cole in the rotation. Now you're getting Hater out of your pen. Good luck, American League. Good luck. Now as for Joe Panic, I don't know. Again, I don't know how uh, how realistic that one is because I haven't heard much about it. I heard one or two reports and that was about it. But this is a guy who could benefit the Yankees because. You know, as you all know, I'm not the highest on their lineup. I really don't love the Yankee lineup. I know a lot of people will think I'm crazy about that. But, you know, while they they will put up some spectacular regular season numbers, um, and while they did improve in terms of hitting for average last year and hitting with runners in scoring position, it seems like every October it becomes the same old story. Whereas... You know, three or four guys in this lineup aren't hitting, and it's because they can't make contact. And Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, and Giancarlo Stanton... Listen, I'm sorry, but I don't ever see that trio working out together in one lineup. I don't. I just don't see it working out. Um, listen, I, I obviously they aren't going to get rid of Aaron Judge, and they shouldn't. I think Aaron Judge should be a part of this team. But as for the other two guys... I would love to find a way to move one of them. I don't know how realistic that is because again, that albatross of a contract that Stanton has makes it nearly impossible. And as for Sanchez, I think the Yankees personally love him too much. You know, why do you think they got rid of Roman? And, uh, Roman's obviously, you know, if they got rid of Roman, they think Sanchez is reliable enough to to not. It's it's I don't know, man. I don't ever see Judge Stanton and Sanchez working together. Because come every October, it just the Yankees strike out too much. They don't make they don't make enough contact. And that's the biggest thing. That's how you win in October, with good pitching and good hitting. When you make contact, you go a long way. You know, we saw, how do you think, why do you think DJ LeMayhew and Glaber Torres are the two best hitters on this team right now? Because in the regular season, they made contact, and that continued throughout the postseason. That's why they continue to be their best hitters. They make contact. And guys who rely on the home run, you know, to get their... Production, Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, and Giancarlo stanton they are less reliable in October. We saw that once again this season, especially against the Astros. It was a joke. It was a joke, especially from Judge and Sanchez because they actually played baseball. Um, but yeah, I don't know about that lineup. I think if the Yankees were to make a big run next season, it's going to be heavily reliant on that pitching staff, not just the rotation, but the pitching staff as a whole, the starters and the relievers. So, I think someone, again, getting back to Joe Panic, I think Joe Panic could very much help this team as a guy who makes contact. Now, he's not a great hitter, he's not an everyday guy, definitely not a guy you want to start, but I think he's, he could kind of play the role of, you guys remember Ronald Torres, where he could, you know, come and pinch hit here and there, or fill in for a player for a week or two whenever he's, you know, on the, whenever he's on the DL, because we know we're going to have some of those this year. Um but I think he's a guy that comes in, makes contact, gets the big hit, and keeps the lineup moving. So Joe Panic is someone I would definitely welcome for the right price, and I don't think the price will be too heavy anyways. So that's that. We talked about pretty much it's the holes in this lineup, the holes on the rotation, the, not the rotation, um, on the, off the bench, you know, DHing and all that stuff. Delon Batansis left. We kind of, I think we touched on that um, last time out. DD Gregorius, we talked about that. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yankees got a new pitching coach, Matt Blake. Hopefully, you know, hopefully he's good, better than Rothschild. Hopefully, this isn't a guy who's too heavily reliant on analytics. That's what I kind of worry about. You know, they got some kind of young kid. They got a young guy out there. Um, And obviously, with the young kids, they're going to rely on the, the numbers, the metrics. And, you know, you guys know me. I'm not the biggest analytics guy. No, I'm not, you know, I'm not some boomer old-school traditional um you know baseball purists but I do like a mix I'm more of a guy who I think there needs to be a balance if you're gonna go with metrics that's fine but just have a little bit of you know gut in you have a little bit of old-school traditional ball playing you know ball a baseball mindset in you so I do think there needs to be some kind of balance I don't think you could just do one or the other wholeheartedly so that's my worry here with Matt Blake as a young guy I just hope he doesn't rely too much on the metrics, on the Sabre metrics, and doesn't go too far out there, but we'll see what happens, you know, you can't really predict anything I don't know too much about the guy, so, that's that for the Yankees, man, I'm very excited for the season that being said, right yes, there are some holes, but the Yankees are better today than they were yesterday, it goes back to that saying, right they're so much better today than they were yesterday, but yeah, like I said if they were to make a run next season and you know, I'm, I'm not one to make any predictions anymore because I'm done doing that. I made a prediction they'd win the World Series a few years ago, and obviously we're still sitting at 27, only 27. But, um, yeah, if they were to make a run, I think it's going to be relied on that pitching. You know, as weird as that sounds, like, I would have never said that a year ago. But, yeah, I just, I don't love this rotation, uh, this, uh, this lineup. Until they get rid of a few guys, you know, get more contact in there. It's not just adding, but it's addition by subtraction. Like I said, you have to find a way to get Sanchez or Stanton out of there. I'm sorry. But until they figure out a way to do that, I think the pitching will have to hold their own and, and, you know, carry the workload here. So we'll see see what happens, man. I'm excited, definitely excited. But, you know, it comes with a little precaution too. So we'll see. But that's that, guys. I'm going to sign this one out. And I'm going to... end this podcast here episode 57 of bd4 no better way coming up on 25 minutes um so we're gonna go to bed now it's a little late but um i'll be back out there on january 1st new year's day with obviously a nicks recap on their last two games um the second of the two hasn't happened yet and that's new year's day against the portland trailblazers at the garden so we'll talk nicks in just the just a few days and that'll be that Alright guys, thank you so much for stopping by. Rob Carbone, signing out. Ciao.